Report, recorded live on the third largest moon in our solar system, Callisto. He be pulsating, dominating up above. It's Run DMC style, so stop and show love. To your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. Iron from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, it is going to get so much less weak. I mean, it's going to be... This has been a long time coming. We are going to talk about G1 G.I. Joe, it's going to be great. We're going to talk about a movie I saw called Annihilation. We're going to talk about a uh, a couple toys I got over at the flea market. Dudes, it is going to be so much fun. You're going to you're going to have the time of your life. But uh, with all that said, let's let's get started. Check one, two. Yo, ISR man, I don't understand this man. Yo, you got to slow down, man. You're losing them. Radio. Suckers never play me. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report, the greatest podcast in the world. That is, that is definitely true. It's a worldwide accepted fact. The the Toys R Us Report is the greatest podcast in the world. This is me. This is me, your host, IC Robots. And this week we got we got a special treat that is going to cement our place as as one of the greatest podcasts, if not the greatest podcast. I just said it. We are in fact the best in the world. We got we got the dude himself, Johnny Five, via Skype. He is, he's here with us. We've been trying for a couple weeks. We've been making some moves. We've been doing whatever. And it's finally time. Here it is. Uh, J5, how you doing today? I am doing as good as anyone could possibly do. Thank you for asking. Should I ask you how you are? Because you look about the same. What? That is not meant to offend my amigo. It is merely an accurate observation. Comprende. See? I comprende. I guess, you know, I'm just going to take that as a compliment because we haven't seen each other in a little bit. And if I look like exactly the same, that means that, you know, I am I'm avoiding the, the aging process. So we'll consider that a win. J5, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. We've already got the we've got the niceties out of the way. Let's get let's just let's jump into the meat of it. Let's see. Johnny Five, how did you meet A.B. Silver? Oh, that is a very funny story, as you know. He used to work in marketing for Nabisco, and at one point they wanted to tie in my classic film, Short Circuit 2, with a brand of snack crackers they had at the time. The deal fell through. There just wasn't enough green in the deal for my taste. You feel what I am saying, Chief? Yeah, I, I get you, but what, I don't, what, what was the funny part in that? That wasn't that, wasn't that funny of a story, J5. I, I, I mean that in the nicest way possible. It is funny because they wanted me to sign for $2.5 million to appear on a set of trading cards inside of chocolate snap cookies. I don't get out of bed for less than 4.75. I laughed in their faces and rolled out. How you like that story now, hot stuff? Hot stuff? That's, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a better story. Um, I would have liked to have seen those trading cards, though, that, that would have been cool. You weren't, you weren't excited about that, being on a set of cards instead of cookies? That would be... That would be like the dream for me. That would be like my lifelong goal. That's so great. I can't believe you turned that down. See, champ, that is why you are where you are. And that is why I am where I am. You think small. I don't think I think small. I just think that I would like to have been on a uh, set of trading cards. I don't want to be on the cards. I want to own the cookie factory and the printing press that the cards are printed out on. And then I want to print my own trading cards for all my great movies and collect all the loot for myself. No, I do get that. I get that, like, you're thinking big, dude. You don't want to be on the card. You want to be the dude who sells the card. I get it, but it just kind of seems to me like you didn't make the deal and you didn't wind up with anything. Uh, It's okay, though. Um, That's, you know, that's all you. J5, I'm glad you came back on the show. There are people out there who... We're doubting your identity. I was not amongst him myself, but I'm happy to see that, you know, you are here on Skype and you are, you are visible to me today. That's, 
That's great. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people out there who, who might be listening to the show? No, not really. I have examined your numbers and I know that there are not that many people listening. I am here as a favor for my main dude. A.B. Silver. You owe him big by the way. I am a major get for a show like this. If you get what I am saying. Doggy dog. Where did that applause come from? Was that... Was that coming from your end? No, you are a major get, Johnny Five. I am super happy to have you on the show. Let me let me ask you, how is how is the movie going? How is the AB Silver biopic going? I am glad that you asked that. It is going great. We are still in the fundraising stage, but we might have a trailer sometime soon that we could share here. You're still raising funds, but you might have a trailer. How do, how does that work? That is how it is done in Hollywood. You finish the trailer before you even start shooting. How do you do that? Listen, I am not here to discuss the process. Plus you wouldn't understand it even if I explained it. It is insider stuff. That would probably bore you. No offense intended there, trooper. No, that's cool, man. No, no offense taken. I've never made a film. I don't, I don't know the, uh, I don't know the process as well as, as well as I do. Is there, is there any inside info you can give us on the movie though? Just anything, anything at all. Let's see. Oh, I can tell you this. The movie is going to be great. Come on, we all know that. Can you give us, can you give us any, like, any, uh, casting news? Okay, I can tell you this. We have signed Mike Zorek from the classic film, Private School for Girls with Matthew Modine. Private School for Girls? I love that movie. It has, it has Phoebe Cates in it. Real, uh, real good early 80s comedy. Who is, who is he going to be playing in that? Um... Mike Zorick, man, I haven't haven't heard from that guy in years. He will be playing AB's boss at Nabisco. That guy was a real jerk. Not Zorick, his old boss. You dig that info, babe. Michael Zorick, man, that is that's cool, man. That guy, I'm looking at his IMDB right now. It seems he hasn't he hasn't made anything since 1990. So I guess you guys pulled him out of retirement with an enticing offer. Is that is that how it went? Listen, guy, you wanted a scoop, so I gave you a scoop. But check it. I don't have all day for this. I have to go. Oh, do you? That's cool. Thanks. Thanks for the time that, uh, that, uh... Yo, A.B. hit my music. Right away. I'm out. at the movies without Ebert, Siskel or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? People rely on the police to keep them safe. If a man really wants to protect what's his... I'm sorry, Dr. Kersey, nothing yet. He has to do it for himself. You're not a cop! Somebody has to do it! You look much better. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. <laughs> I will. Death Wish. Rated R. I'm still tripping on that Johnny Five. Who's Johnny? They say, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a good one, man. I wish it wasn't tied with um with Johnny Five like that, but that's a good song, Eld Barge. You came through with that, I I gotta admit. So... I went to see Death Wish, the latest Eli Roth joint, the latest Eli Roth jammy. I, I'll admit it, dude, I am an Eli Roth fan. I've heard him interviewed a bunch of times, and I think that he, I think that he's a fun, interesting dude, and I do think that he is capable of making a compelling movie. He has, he has in the past, whether, whether you like that kind of stuff or not, you know, Hostel's kind of a, uh, kind of a compelling film, and I also thought that, um, Green Inferno, his latest before this, the the Cannibal Jungle flick. I thought that was I thought that was a compelling movie too. This one, I don't know. I I see what he was trying for, and we can talk about that in a bit. This is a remake of the classic, the classic Charles Bronson film Death Wish. 
that spurred the the franchise, the Death Wish franchise. The movie stars Bruce Willis, as well as Elizabeth Shue, and the guy who was Hank on Breaking Bad is in it. And then there's you know there's some other dudes. This isn't the this isn't the biggest production in the world. The story of the story of Death Wish is this: a man a man is pushed over the brink because his family gets murdered. During a during a robbery, he goes from being like a mild mannered surgeon. Bruce Willis plays a surgeon. If you can, if you can picture that, that's like when uh, Denise Richards was a scientist in that Bond joint. But um, at any rate, he he gets pushed over the brink and he takes the law into his own hands. He goes out there and he avenges. He avenges their murder by murdering. He he does uh he does that thing that we all we all fear we might do. He turns to the dark side. He he takes two wrongs and he makes them a right, in at least in his mind, I guess. He's out there. He's just out there blabbing, blabbing, blabbing. Everybody who gets in his path, everybody he sees, blah, blah, blah. And the city starts to, uh, you know, they start to get in his side. The police, they kind of turn an eye to what's going on. But all the while, he's looking for the ones who did it. He's just, you know, out there blapping anybody he, anybody he sees committing a crime. But he has a mission. You know, he's looking to avenge, avenge the murder of, uh, of his family's. The city gets behind him. They call him the Grim Reaper. There's like this, there's like this social media aspect of the whole thing where somebody films him, films him doing a murder and they, they post it on YouTube and he becomes like this media sensation. You know, it's all they're talking about on the news. It's all they're talking about on the radio and people, people in Chicago where this movie was shot, they still, they still actively listen to the radio, because there's, like, a show with, like, Sway, you know, the dude Sway, who used to be on the radio here in the Bay Area, he's been on MTV, Sway, and what looks like Heather B., from the first season of The Real World, they, they have a show where they talk about the Grim Reaper every day, and people, like, they're, like, totally checking it out, they, you know, they have, like, earphones walking around, they're, like, gathering outside of stores to listen to the radio, it's, like, it's, like, one of those kind of deals, the, the old media is still alive, alive and well in Chicago. But, you know, they mix in the new media too because there's like YouTube and they, they get him on like Instagram and Snapchat. Somebody, somebody records a vine of him executing somebody on the street and it goes viral as, as murder videos often, often do. This is, I get it. I wanna, I wanna talk about this for a sec. I get it. I get it, Eli Roth. I get what you were trying, what you're trying for here. A movie like this, in this, uh, the way the country is right now, is a bit inflammatory. The guy's going out there, taking the law in his own hands, and he's murdering robbers. He's murdering murderers. He's murdering drug dealers. He's just murdering everybody out there, and the people get behind him. They're into it. I get what you were trying to do. You're trying to make a movie Eli Roth that could have the potential to incite murder. There are a lot of knuckleheads out there and if you're if you're a knucklehead on the edge, you know, if you're already teetering on the edge, this might be the kind of story that throws you over the edge. I'm not saying a run-of-the-mill knucklehead. I'm talking an on the edge knucklehead might get turned by this because we all know movies have the ability to motivate us. Movies have the ability to make us sad. They have the ability to make us happy. They have the ability to make us angry. They have the ability to affect how we view the world. And I get what you're trying to do, Eli Roth. You're trying to, you're trying to put yourself out there as, you know, a a raconteur. Somebody who makes, somebody who makes on the edge type cinema and taking this hot button and pushing it, and pushing it, and pushing it, you feel like you're being compelling. The problem is, you didn't make an overly compelling movie this time out, and I don't know, I don't know whether it's because Bruce Willis sort of feels as if he's mailing it in, or maybe because, in my opinion, and this is gonna sound weird, I'm just talking, you know, strictly from, like, an artistic standpoint, the movie was not, was not gritty enough. I am a fan of, like, gritty, Grindhouse-style cinema, and that is what I expect when I go see an Eli Roth movie, and I expect an Eli Roth Death Wish, rather, remake to be, to be pretty gritty, and this one, it was very much in the vein of, like, a pop-style movie, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't, like, it wasn't hardcore, it wasn't for the streets, this was a pop movie, there were, there were some gory parts, but it didn't have the gritty feel that I expected, and that was disappointing to me, so on 
the artistic level, the movie is a bit of a failure. It's mildly entertaining, but it fails to be compelling in the way that button pusher Eli Roth wants it to be. It's just not a very good movie. It's fine. I left feeling entertained. It plays, it plays pretty short. It just, uh, it starts and it moves and moves and moves, but it doesn't have the grit. So then in the end, when Bruce Willis completes his mission, there's no, there's no satisfaction because there's just not, there's just not a lot, not a lot there. I, I don't know, man. Um, I want, I want better movies from Eli Roth. Now look, I realize Eli Roth isn't, you know, he's not like a genius master filmmaker. He's not a George Miller, but the dude does have the ability to make a gritty grindhouse movie. And I want him to, I want him to get back to that. I think that that, I think that that is in there. And this one, this was a higher profile Eli Roth movie than I am used to. When Green Inferno came out, I was really surprised that it even, that it even opened here. To be honest with you, he, he is a sort of a star on the border, you know, some people are into him, more people hate him than like him, and this was, this was a big release for him, I think, the movie is one hour and 47 minutes long, it stars Bruce Willis and Elizabeth Shue, it, it, um, was directed by Eli Roth, I don't know, I don't know what else to say, I, I wanted more out of this, I did not expect more, I did not expect a whole heck of a lot, but I got a little less than, a little less than I, than I even expected. I don't know. So, with all that, with all that out of the way, and that was a lot of, that was a lot of jibber-jabbing, you know, that was a lot of, um, a lot of jibber-jab on a movie that, uh, I don't know how much, I don't know how much jibber-jab it deserves, so. On the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter with one big dud, five being an all-time classic, I am going to give Death Wish 2018, two, two, two mics. Two mics. On this episode of the Toy Bar Rest Report, we present a special chamber, a retro toy rounder from G.I. Joe Origins, early action figures and playset. We like to call it from Ace to Zartan. Series 1, 1982. 1982 saw the relaunch of Hasbro's popular G.I. Joe franchise. Along with the popular action figure line, they launched a comic book through Marvel and a cartoon through Sunbow. G.I. Joe was poised to once again rule the toy world. Hey kids, it is me, Icy Robots, back once again for... This is something I've been looking forward to to uh, for, a, for like a long time, man. We are going to take a look at Series 1 of G.I. Joe, which came out in 1982. I I was such a big mark for these when they came out, man. I I was into Star Wars figures like like nobody's business. And the, the first time I saw a G.I. Joe was through my friend Andy. He was always... He was always ahead of me as far as toys went, and he brought one over, and I was completely blown away by the articulation. A a Star Wars dude typically has articulation at the shoulders and the hips and the head. G.I. Joe has elbows and knees, and it was, it was just, it was, once I saw G.I. Joe, Star Wars was, Star Wars was over. When G.I. Joe dropped in 1982, it came up with a, 16 action figures and 8 vehicles. Initially, I planned to do the entire thing in one big run-through, but this this flu I've been dealing with has, it's thrown everything in my life out of whack. So, what we're going to do is, first we're going to take a look at the action figures in this episode, and then we're going to come back next episode and take a look at the vehicles. It'll be fun, man. A little, a little delayed gratification never hurt anyone. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through the figures one at a time. This is... This is going to include the figures that came packaged with vehicles. I think I think it's better to just break it up. Figures, vehicles. The first guy alphabetically is Breaker. He is the communications officer. That's that's the dude who answers the phones. And he he comes with a helmet and a um, headset and a cable that connects to his backpack. I had this guy. He was 
he was one of my favorites. He's famous for in the comic books. You'd always see him. He'd always be like popping bubblegum. He had an M16 and he was he was popping bubblegum. His personality was that of that of like a southern dude, you know, like a uh, Louisiana kind of guy. I dig his backpack communicator. I didn't dig that he didn't come with a gun. I think that I think that all the guys should have come with a gun. Um you may have the specialty of being a dude who answers the phone, but your first your first mission is always that of a uh, infantry type dude. Um I also I also would have liked to have seen him with one of those big those big cell phone style like Vietnam style cell phones that you see in the movies instead of instead of the backpack or Maybe with the backpack, but I did think it was dope how the how the helmet actually plugged in. The second guy was Clutch. He came with the vamp. That is, that's the Jeep. I had this guy as well. I actually have him now. I have Breaker too. I have a lot of the first series toys. That's the stuff that's really, really important to me. He had a helmet. His helmet has pegs in it where you can put a visor, but he did not, he did not in fact come with a visor. If you check out Clutch's, um, file card, you can see some, some fun notes in there. He greases his hair with motor oil, rarely shaves, and he chews on the same toothpick for months. I, I am not like a toothpick-chewing dude. I... Scary. <laughs> hey, you want a toothpick? Sure. I think that's interesting. I, I always wondered if dudes, um, like, switch him out all the time. Not Clutch. He'll keep the same one for a month. He also has, he has some interesting specialties. He's a, um, advancedly trained infantry dude. He has covert ops abilities. He is an executive bodyguard, and also he went to a ranger school. Those things, those things all seem important, and it would um it would help him get a job after his military career. Not only can he drive, he can also bodyguard. The next dude is a Flash. A Flash is the laser rifle trooper, and he comes with a helmet that has uh, the visor holes as well as a visor and a laser that attaches to his backpack. This is. The one and only Flash action figure. I, I remember thinking about that as a kid. What was the purpose of a laser trooper when it seemed like every single dude in the cartoon, Cobra or Joe, had a laser gun? It could be, it could be that they were maybe shooting tracer bullets, but when you watch the show, it looked like, it looked like every single shot was, was a laser. Let's see. According to his file card, his secondary specialties were chemical detection and decontamination on, on a squad like this. Most of the dudes have, like, one or two different specialties. It's it's more like a Delta Force kind of an operation where you have, like, a small team of dudes who can each do many different things. If you are, if you're out there in the collector world and you're looking for a Flash, um, according to the guides that I've seen, the, the cord that goes from his laser to his backpack has to be perfectly straight to be considered mint. And then... Then the next dude you have is Grand Slam. Grand Slam and Flash have practically the same uniform. They have the the army green, and then they have sort of, sort of like a, it looks like a catcher's, like a baseball catcher's equipment in the front. It's red, and they have, they have the breastplate as well as plates on their legs and their arms. Grand Slam is the laser artillery soldier. He's the dude who has the big laser cannon. He came with the, with that vehicle. The HAL is the name of that. The, the, um, we'll talk about that in a bit. He has a helmet as well as a visor, you know, to protect him from laser beams. And, and while he didn't appear very often in the, in the comic book or the cartoon, Larry Hama, Larry Hama is the genius behind all this stuff. He, he gave him some interesting, um, some interesting personality traits. Outwardly soft-spoken and calm, intelligent enough to have doubts about his own sanity, was a late bloomer, rather, and he still exhibits discomfort in social situations, indulges in escapist fantasy, i.e. read science fiction. So, basically, our homie, our homie is a nerd, and I can, I can get behind that. The next guy on the list is Grunt. If you, if you ever get the chance to check it out, Grunt and Grand Slam have, they have the same head, but the... But the hair is a different color. The the widow peak, widow's peak is a is a different color. I'm into Grunt. I dig him. I dig how plain he is. He is the GI Joe infantry trooper, and he has an M16 and a helmet and a backpack. I I like this dude so much that I dedicated an entire episode to Grunt. Episode number thirty of the TRU RPT is dedicated to good old Grunt. I I don't know, man. I just liked how. 
he seemed as if there was going to be a dude that you would name G.I. Joe, it would be Grunt. Grunt is, Grunt's the Grunt, he is the soldier. The next guy up is, is Hawk. Hawk is the missile commander. He came with the MMS, the mobile military mobile missile system. His equipment is a helmet and a visor. He's pretty plain. He has some silver, some silver painted on him. It looks as if Hawk and Grunt share the same body. You can see the, you can see the grenade indent and the, there are some details as far as color that different differ, but, um, as far as like their appearances, it looks like you could, you could switch the heads back and forth and not even, not even be able to tell a different Hawk came from, he came from a wealthy family. He's a West Point graduate. He was, he was the first leader of the team. At first he was, he was a colonel. Then he becomes a general. And then eventually he becomes a brigadier general, brigadier general Hawk. He, he was the top guy, but he, he started off tossing missiles for, for the Joe team. So, you know, man, there is, so, you know, man, there's always a chance for some upward mobility in the military. Mobility, I guess. The next dude on the list is good old rock and roll. He is, he's another favorite of mine. Rock and roll is the machine gunner for the team. He comes with a helmet and an M60 with a, a small little stand, a two-legged stand. I, I dug him. He has like bandoliers of M60 bullets across his chest. Like he was, like he was Sergeant Rock. And I also dig that he had like an authentic gun. That was one of the things I liked about some of the original Joes. They had authentic military weapons that I would see on, that I would see on TV and stuff, and the, the M60 and Rambo and stuff, that was definitely something that was ingrained into, into the mindset of every kid at the time. Rock and Roll is another dude that I dedicated an entire episode. TRU number 50 is all about rock and roll. I go through every rock and roll action figure, everything, everything that you would ever want to know about dude. He is... He's kind of like a California guy, you know, he has a blonde beard, and sometimes in the comics he had long blonde hair, his, his figure doesn't have long hair, but it is, it is bearded, it is blonde. He's a lot like Grunt, I just, I really like his authenticity, he seems like a dude who could be coming out of, could be coming right out of Vietnam, I, I like everybody else from that era was really into Vietnam, Vietnam wasn't... It wasn't like the distant past like it is now. It was the very, very recent past. And there was just something about the, about the savage brutality of the war that was thus fascinating to a kid. Next up is Scarlet. Scarlet is the counterintelligence officer for the team. She has, she has a crossbow and she wears, she wears like a bodysuit. She has red hair. The, the suit is beige and her arms and legs are, they are green. When I was... When I was coming up, I lived next door to this kid named Tim, and me and this kid, we did not get along, but we would, we would from time to time hang out, and one time I was walking over by his garage, and I saw him in there, and he was, he was throwing rocks at action figures, and I didn't have a lot of action figures at the time, I eventually, me and Andy got to the point where we were throwing rocks at him, but at the time I was... I was not the dude who would be doing that, and I was, I was taken back, so I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And he's like... Somebody got me this girl action figure and I hate it. I'm going to I'm going to smash it with a rock and I'm like I wanted any G.I. Joe that I could possibly get. I had no beef with Scarlet. And I'm like, "Come on, man, please, please. If you're going to if you're going to just bash it with a rock, can I have it?" And eventually he did. He did relent and give it to me, but man, I had to like I had to simp out and beg, which in retrospect, is weird, but at the time, you know, you're a kid, you don't know anything about pride, you know, nothing about, like, personal pride, and you'll, you'll do whatever it takes to get a, get a new action figure, even if it means, even if it means you have to beg. I plan on talking about this kid, Tim, at, at a laser later date. He was, he was my neighbor when we first moved to California, and his dad ran, he ran, like, a plumbing business, and they were, they were pretty well off, and this kid was, he was such a jerk. Eventually, we ended up having this giant apple war that that turned like... It was like a neighborhood Vietnam. I'm going to save that story to, to a later date. There are betrayals and spies and... Man, it's it's something. But we are... We're halfway through the figures. Let's, um... Let's take a quick commercial break. And we will... We'll be right back with... Snake Eyes and a bunch of other fun dudes. It's going to be great. 
He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection. Infantry Trooper. Codename Grunt. Bazooka Soldier. Codename Zap. Motor Soldier. Codename Short Fuse. Laser Rifle Trooper. Codename Flash. Ranger. Codename Stalker. Communications Officer. Codename Breaker. Machine Gunner. Codename Rock and Roll. Counterintelligence. Codename Scarlet. Commando. Codename Snake Eyes. Each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. The thing that really jumps out at me about that commercial, besides how besides how dope it is, is how subdued that dude's vocals are. By the time they get to by the time they get to the cartoon and stuff, he is he is belting it out with such emotion. But at the beginning it was a bit more laid back, a bit more a bit more James Taylor style. The next guy alphabetically on our list is the Mortar Soldier. This homie's name is Short Fuse. He has, he has the, he has the grunt body, but he has a hawk head. He is a blonde chap. He comes with a mortar, with a stand, a helmet, with a visor, and a backpack that looks as if it has, well, it has like molded mortar rounds in it, uh, built into it. It's pretty, pretty neat, if not on the, on the small side. I've always wanted to fire a mortar. A mortar is, you know, it's like a, it's like a small canister cannon. It points up. You shoot like high in the air with these um, long arching shots. I'd like to, I'd like to see if I was any good at it. According to his, according to the file card, Short Fuse grew up in a family of career army dudes. His dad was like a colonel. His grandfather was like a general. I don't know something like that. He, he came up with a strong military tradition in his family. Up next on our list is. What is probably the crown jewel of the set? A dude who goes by the name of Snake Eyes. He is, he is the team's commando. I wanted Snake Eyes. I wanted him so bad when I was coming up. I would, I would go to Toys R Us every once in a while. My mom worked next door to, um, to there at Marshall's. And I would get to go to Toys R Us more than the average kid. But for the most part, I would get my G.I. Joes at Ben Franklin's. The Ben Franklin's is now a, it's a gym. It's Stan Bennett's gym over there in the Oliver's Shopping Center. But when I was coming up, it was it was my G.I. Joe go-to spot. And I would go up there all the time with my with my pennies. And I would look for snake eyes, but I never I could never find him on the peg. But I I eventually wound up with him. Let me let me tell this one really quick. There is a there's like a swimming lagoon here in town called Spring Lake. And we used to go there. We used to go there a lot when I was a kid. I haven't been there. I haven't been there in many years. It's fun. I I think this next year I might go there. There aren't a lot of places around here where you can swim, and I think swimming's pretty fun. I haven't done it. Haven't done it in a long while. Too long, as it were. So we were we were at Spring Lake and I was I was just kinda like walking around in the water doing whatever kids do when I when I felt something near my foot, right? And I'm like, what is this? You know, and I'm like pulling at it with my toes and I um I dove in. To see what it was that I was feeling with my toes. The ground is rocks, you know, and this felt different than the rocks. So I'm investigating it and I, I discovered that it's a Snake Eyes action figure with his gun in his hand. I couldn't believe it. I I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest buried treasure I've ever unearthed. I was I was so excited. I had that I had that snake eyes for years and years and years. I, I wonder what happened to it. You ever wonder that, like where where did the toys go? Like, one day did I decide, eh, I don't want Snake Eyes anymore, and I tossed him in the hopper. Probably, that's probably what happened, but at the time I had him, I was just, I was so ecstatic. Snake Eyes is, he's the commando. He's like the dude who sneaks in and does ninja stuff. He wears, he wears all black. He has a small Uzi. His little Uzi is so dope. I couldn't believe when I found him in the lake that he, that he still had it. And he also comes with, like a, uh, like a shoulder bag that's full of explosives and stuff. I would, I would hazard a statement and say that Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes is probably the most popular dude in all of G.I. Joe. If it's not him, it's his ninja, his ninja brother Storm Shadow, but I, I think it's going to be Snake Eyes. That's just, that's just me. Larry Hama, the dude who invented all this, all this great stuff, he said that he based Snake Eyes on a guy he knew in Nam known as, known as Bob Light. Bob Light was a helicopter tail gunner, and one day, one day he saw Bob Light hanging out the, 
hanging out the side of the copter, and he had, like, slick-back blonde hair, and he was wearing, like, aviators, and the the image of seeing that stuck in his head, and when he, when he went ahead and designed Snake Eyes, Bob Light was the dude who he envisioned before Snake Eyes, you know, had the damage to his face and to his skin and had to start wearing the, wearing the all-black, um, I've tried to get a Snake Eyes a few times online, and I, I've been outbid, it's something that, it's something that I would pay a premium for. I don't want to pay too much. I see I see Snake Eyes going as high as like $100 sometimes. And I always hold out hope that I'm going to find one out on the flea market circuit. This was like a super popular figure. I have to find one someday, but I have not. Someday, someday hopefully I will. The next dude up is the, uh... Is the Team Ranger Stalker. Stalker might be, he might be my favorite of all the dudes. I dig him. He has like a camouflage outfit and a green beret. And his gun is a, it's an M32. It's known as the Pulverizer. I like the way that, um, I like the way the stock molds into his arms. He's always been a favorite of mine. As a matter of fact, we dedicated a whole entire episode to Stalker. Episode number 17 of the TRURPT is all about Stalker. So, Go check that one out if you are, if you're so inclined, you can find out everything, everything that you know about him. I, I just dug his, like, straight up Vietnam War look. I, I thought he looked like authentic. He was a fave of mine, but if you want to know the deets, go back, episode 17. Next guy is the Tank Commander Steeler. He comes with the Mobat. That's the tank. He is, um, he has a different body. He has a, he has a bandolier with a holster, rather, with a pistol on his chest, and he comes with an Uzi, the same one that Snake Eyes comes with, and he has a helmet, and a, a very different visor than you see on the other guys, it's like a telescopic, sort of a night vision looking kind of thing that goes over his face, imagine those, those like virtual reality gimmicks that you slide your phone into and you put it on your face, it looks, it looks like that, uh, in a ways, you know, sort of in a ways. The next dude coming up is the last dude, the last G.I. Joe in the set, there are, there are three Cobras, but this is, this is the last Joe. I wonder if he's the last Joe alphabetically. This is this is a chap who goes by the name of Zap. Zap is the bazooka soldier. He has a grunt head, a backpack like short fuse, and he has a grunt helmet. But what he does come with is a bazooka. I have always wanted to fire a bazooka. I want to fire a bazooka more than I do more than I do a mortar. I know they don't even use bazookas anymore. They use like I don't know, drones or, like, radar-guided missiles, but I've always, I've always wanted to shoot one. It seems, it seems like so much fun, but sadly, I'll probably never get the chance to do that. I, I dig Zap. He's basically, like, Grunt with, he's, like, Grunt with a bazooka. He, um, he has that, like, realistic army appearance that I think is neat. It looks like, looks like he's wearing those green pajamas, looks like he's just a dude out in Vietnam doing Vietnam stuff, um, he, he's authentic, I've said it like a thousand times, I dig the, I dig the authenticity of the early Joes, let's move into Cobra, the first guy up is the enemy leader known as Cobra Commander, he was, he was at first a mail-away figure, I remember, I remember doing that. You'd have to mail in five, uh, five flag points off the back of the card. You had to cut them out, mail them to Rhode Island, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and eventually you would get a, you would get a Cobra Commander in a box. The initial ones are, are far more valuable than the second run. There is, there's like, I don't know what we'd call it, not an error. They, they changed the printing of the Cobra logo, and the first set of Cobra Commanders have what they call the, They call it the Mickey Mouse logo. It's bigger. Eventually, it has a small, tighter Cobra logo. And you can find the ones with the, with the Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse, rather. They, they go for like twice as much. One of the things I really dug about, um, good old Cobra Commander is that his, his gun just fit right into his backpack. That was, um, a neat, a neat feature. They tried to play it off like he had, um, like a laser, like a laser pistol and he would charge it in his back. I thought that was cool. This is, this is the original Cobra Commander look with the helmet with the shiny silver front. On his card, his name is given as Enemy Leader, and his position is that of Cobra Commander. But over the years, the name Cobra Commander just became, just became his name. Probably because, probably because it's a dope name. In the comics, I, 
if I remember correctly, Cobra Commander was a used car salesman who started up like a vitamin selling pyramid scheme that eventually that eventually grew into Cobra. The final two dudes are the two Cobra soldiers. They are they are known as the enemy. There is one that is an officer and one that is a soldier. The the difference is the officer has a silver Cobra sigil on his front, and he also comes with an AK-47, which is just like a super great, super great action figure accessory. I never had either of these two. I just, I never have. I always wanted them. I wanted like a dozen. I would always buy a different guy instead of buying somebody I already had, and I I always found these two to be so nondescript that I would go for one of the more, one of the more like flashy Cobra guys like a Destro or, you know, Major Blood or a, um, or a, uh, I don't know, just any of them, man. But these guys, these guys are great. From what I've seen in, in, in the secondhand toy game, the, the silver logo wipes off super easy. So if you see one that has no logo, it more than likely was an officer. The red, the red stays a lot better. The red guy has a sniper rifle, which is kind of cool. It has a, has a scope on it. I never had these dudes. Made a regret. Made a regret there in my heart for never, never having them. I didn't have a lot of stormtroopers either. I would get like one and that would be that. Maybe I'd have like one and then like a Hoth one or one that was like a, one that was like a pilot. But I, I never had like a million of the same one. I still don't. I'm, I'm too cheap for army building, but it does, does seem like something fun to do. So there you have it. There you have it. That's the entirety of the first series of G.I. Joe action figures. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to finish this off with the vehicles. I would have done it now, man, but this this flu really, really set everything back. There's not a ton of vehicles, but each one, each one is fun in its own way and deserves, deserves some special attention. So tune in next week, Toys R Us Report, for the conclusion of 1982. Man, you've got him running scared, man. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. The IC Robot Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment. All right, my dudes, here we are for the final segment of the show, the one in which we we tie up loose ends, talk about this and that, things, things going on, things I bought, maybe maybe some TV that I watch, sometimes comic books, I don't know. Lately, though, I have um, I've been starting this segment off with some iTunes reviews. If you go out there and you take the time to write a nice review about the show over on iTunes, you can find it under Icy Robots Radio, the the whole network name. If you go and you do that, I'll uh, I'll read it on the air. I appreciate it. I appreciate the effort. It helps, man. It helps to get new listeners on the show. Shows that are shows that are reviewed well show up higher on the listings. I guess that's what I've heard. So I'm trying to get as many as I can. So if you go out there, you leave one for me. I'll read it on the air. We got two. We got two this week, which is cool, man. I appreciate it. The first one is from Esqualito. Is that a little school, like a small school, like a little L-I-L school? I don't know. I think it is easily one of my favorites. Thank you for sacrificing a little of your week each and every week. I appreciate that. I I don't mind, though. I have fun. I've been searching for shows that encompass all things nerdy, and this show is the more explosive than a GPK atom bomb. From comics to movies, action figures to classic hip-hop, it covers it all. I especially love the bits about the treasure hunt at the dig. Remember to check out secondhand coats, my dudes, and get ready for some interplanetary space flight. With IC Robots, Esqualito is a cool guy. We we follow each other on Twitter. When I was when I was talking about wanting a TV, like an old style TV, he sent me a picture of his garage, and um, dude was ahead of the curve as far as TVs went. When they started going out, he started gathering them up, and he sent me a picture of. His massive garage full of TVs. I was, I was totally jealous. I, I really, really, really appreciate the review. Those kind words, man. They warm my heart. They also help us on the charts. I did a quick two seconds of research and I found out that an Escolito is a is a skeleton. My mistake. I thought a, I thought a Calavera was a skeleton, but what do I know? My my Espanol s no bueno s only. 
It's only, you know, Monsi Minos. It's, um, it's alright. It's not, it's not the worst, but it's not the best. Let's see. We got another one. This is from Scotsman129. My boy Icy Robots is broadcasting awesomeness from the far reaches of outer space. He talks about movies, toys, music, weird stuff that happened to him, and lots of other cool things. There was a retro 80s vibe going on, but there was more modern stuff happening. Highly recommend it. I appreciate that. You know, when he mentions that the show is about weird things that happen to me, I would say that that is like the main crux of the show. It's mostly about weird things that I see, weird things that happen to me. I don't know. The show, the show's about me, and I appreciate you recognizing that. So, that is too Two very positive reviews. If you guys want to take the time and you want to hop on over to iTunes and do one of these for me, I will definitely read it on the air. I will definitely, definitely appreciate that. I I haven't gotten out of the house very much this past recently. I have been battling like a heinous flu for for the first week. I was like, I was sick as a dog, dude. I was sick as a dog. I had a fever. The wife, um, gave me the old thermometer gimmick, and it was running up, like, 102. I was, I was dying. I was, like, sweating and achy. You know that deal where you're, like, you're hot and you're hurting, every little bit of your body aches? I had that going on. I was all, I was all shivery, and I was, I was having, like, weird fever dreams. The, the first one, I've only got two of these, and don't worry, they're both fun, they're both brief. The first one is something I don't really recall that much, but, um, the wife told me that I was sleeping, and I was going like, Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch, help me, save me, Becky Lynch. If you don't know, Becky Lynch is a wrestler in the WWE. She, she's the Irish last kicker. She seems like a really nice gal. She's never been a favorite of mine. I wouldn't say that I don't like her, I do like her, but, um, it's weird that she was, uh, she was the one coming to me when I needed help, or not coming to me when I needed help, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But, um, for, for the second one there, there's, like, a network tie-in. I was, I was on Facebook, right, doing whatever, and I get a, uh, I get a message from Gino Vega, and in the message he tells me that, he tells me that the Young Bucks have invited him to join the Bullet Club, and he's decided to, he's decided to accept and form the, form the Vega Club label underneath them, and I'm like, that's cool, man, because I'm not a hater, you know, I'm happy that he was getting, getting these kind of props, I go, that's awesome, dude, where did, um, where'd they, you know, where'd they find out about you, what happened, you know, tell me the deal, so you're like, oh, well, they listen to my pod, they think it's great, and they want me to join, they want me to join the Bullet Club, and I said, that's cool, do they, they listen to my show, did they say anything, and he's like, well, they said that your show's okay, but you try too hard, that, you try too hard, you want people to think you're cool, but they realize you're not cool, and I, you know, I'm more laser fair with my release schedule, so they, they realize I'm cool like them, and they want me to, uh, they want me to join, and I go, huh, that's weird, I'm happy for you, but, uh, I'm, I'm sad that they, uh, that they think I suck. If you don't know, the Bullet Club is, like, this group of indie wrestlers, they're, they're, like, really hot right now, they have gear and hot topic, it seems like these guys are everywhere, not everywhere, but everywhere that you would see if you're the kind of person who watches wrestling. You know, they they show up in all the groups except for, like, the WWE. But they're, you know, they're cool, man. They, they're making it their way, and I appreciate it. And they wanted to sign up young talent Gino Vega and help him make it to the next level. But, um, homie told me he only had one caveat. And I couldn't believe it, but it shows that, you know, he shows he's loyal to who he is. He said, the only way I would ever, ever, ever join the Bullet Club is if you induct my favorite wrestler of all time. The big dog himself, Roman Reigns, and it turns out that they were more than happy to, so in the end, Gino Vega and Roman Reigns both became the newest members of the Bullet Club. I don't know if it's a good dream or a bad dream. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just call it a dream, but before it ended, Gino Vega super kicked me. At the exact same moment that Roman Reigns hit me with that Superman punch. Okay, it was devastating. I was knocked. I was knocked in the bed. All my skin came off. I was... I was a skeleton. It was a terrible, terrible dream. I still... I still remain a skeleton, as a matter of fact. I... I only got one toy this week, and it's kind of tied into the fever dream. It was... It was a gift from the old wife. She had to go to Walgreens to get me some cough syrup because... That's phase two of the flu. First you get like, you're gonna die. And I thought I was gonna die. I was turning to a skeleton right before my own eyes. I was, I was passing away. But the, 
The phase two is the coughing phase, in which you just cough and cough and cough and cough and cough, and you can't stop, so she went down to get me some cough syrup, and while she was there, she she was nice enough to, like, look at the toys and see if there was anything I wanted, and she found a WWE Elite Series Becky Lynch. This was this was fresh off the the Becky Lynch fever dream, the... The Elite series are kind of like Marvel Legends. They're on scale with Marvel Legends. And I already have... I have one. I have Charlotte Flair. And I bought Charlotte because she came with, like, her super sweet Ric Flair robe. And when I got it, I said the only thing that I thought was missing was a title belt. And guess what? Becky Lynch has the WWE SmackDown's women title. So I opened the box, got it out. Immediately gave it to Charlotte. I wondered, I wondered about the poor Becky Lynch action figure that's been packaged with this belt for like a couple years now. And the whole time, all they've been thinking is, I can't wait to the day I get opened up and I get to play with that belt. And the second she got it, it was given to Charlotte. Kind of like, kind of like real wrestling. But she's a nice action figure, man. I got her over with my Marvel Legends. She has, you know, waist, shoulders, elbows, knees, wrist, ankles, head. She has a lot of articulation, just like... Just like a Marvel legend. Let's see what else is going on. The Oscars. The Oscars were this past week. Man, that is a long show. That was like, it was like four and a half hours. I can't even, I can't even handle to watch all that. But I want to know, I want to know who won as soon as they won. I, I was here on the moon base and I, I had it on in the other room and I, I did work while it was going on. Nothing was... Nothing was overly surprising. Dunkirk won most of the technical awards. I thought Dunkirk was the best movie that came out last year, but it didn't win the Oscar. But but the movie that did was one that um was more than deserving. It was The Shape of Water by good old G.D.T. Guillermo del Toro. I have such a hard time with that word, Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro. I'll say it like that. Guillermo Del Toro. It's easier if you if you use an accent like that. He won the Oscar for um what was straight up a creature feature movie. This was a monster movie, albeit a monster romance, but this was a straight up creature feature and um good old Guillermo Del Toro is he's a nerd. He is a straight up nerd. He's one of us, if anything if anything else. He's the kind of guy who would go to a comic show to see Jim Starlin talk about Thanos. He's the kind of guy who would go to a comic show to see See the cast of Lost in Space talk if he wasn't if he wasn't out there making Oscar winning movies. I was very, very, very happy to um happy to see that creature feature Oscar. Hashtag Oscar monster movie. It was it was dope, man. In a year where in a year where inclusion was the most important thing. It was um great to see us nerds included in the end result of the uh the biggest movie award of the year. I was I was ecstatic. It was great. It it capped off an amazingly boring four and a half hours of uh, of TV. I thought that there was one one serious injustice, and that was in the Best Actress category, which was won by Alice and Jenny. I have nothing, nothing at all against Alice and Jenny, and she was really great in I, Tanya, but this award should have gone to Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. We all know Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne. She's, she's Roseanne's sister, and she's um just... She's a dynamite actor, and in this role, she brought so much heart and so much respectability to this small movie that it it really elevated up to where it was considered for an Oscar. I wouldn't have been surprised if Lady Bird won. Lady Bird was... It was my second best movie of the year. Number one was Dunkirk. Number two, Lady Bird. And then... Then I forget, then I forget, then I forget. But it was um, it was sort of like that. I loved Lady Bird. I would like to have seen it win the Oscar, but I was more than happy for the Creature Feature Oscar I thought that was great. It would have been it would have been made better if Laurie Metcalf got that um got that Oscar, but she didn't. But um, you know, what are you gonna do, man? She she's had a great career. I'm sure she's a bit upset, but I'm sure she's over it. I'm sure she's over it by now. I actually did get something else. I forgot. I got this in the mail. I finally got my hands on a styrofoam McDonald's fillet of fish container. I picked one up in an eBay auction for you ready for this? Six bucks. Six bucks shipped. I was I was pretty stoked, man. I was pretty stoked. I've wanted one of these. I've wanted one of these for a while. I used to be a big-time filet of fish dude. I don't eat them so much anymore. Lately, when I've been going over to Mickey D's, and I do go to Mickey D's like once a week. I don't know, man. I I like it, dude. It brings back nice memories. Me and the wife sometimes go there before we go 
before we go grocery shopping, but um, I've been getting Mini Macs. They have like three different sizes of Big Macs right now, and I've been getting the um the smallest one. It's it's good, man. A Big Mac is gigantic, so this is this is about the right size. Sometimes I get they have a, a bacon McDouble. I'll get one of those. What you gotta do though to like try to save on the calories is you get like a side salad. As opposed to a, uh, a thing of fries. Or maybe you get like a small fries and you share it. You gotta, you gotta cut corners like that, man, as you, um, as you age, you know. You don't need the sodium, which is something I thought I'd never say in my life. But, you know, a lot of sodium in a frizz eyes, you know. So you gotta, you gotta watch that and you get the side salad and, you know, you mix it up a little bit. Get some, get some roughage. Sometimes we'll also get like a, uh, like a six-piece McNugget. To share, you know, and we'll eat our, our burger, our salad, and our nuggets. It's, you know, it's okay. My favorite nugget sauce is uh, sweet and sour. That's always been the way the way that I am. I do like a nice barbecue, but um, I do like sweet and sour the most. I haven't had the chance to get any of the uh, Szechuan sauce that they, that they dropped over there. But next time I get nuggets, next time I get nuggets, I'll, I'll give that a shot and I'll, um, I'll let you guys know. Know what we think about that because I'm sure you're on the uh, edge of your seat, thinking, "What's you know what is Icy Robot's favorite um, nugget nugget dip flavor?" Now you know, sweet and sour. I also bought myself a, I bought myself an empty can of Tab. I, I have these weird memories of Tab. <laughs> That uh that diet cola that came in the came in the pink can. We had a neighbor back in Illinois who drank tab, and every once in a while I would like sneak a sip off of her can and it had like the weirdest aftertaste to me. I can't, I can't describe it. They didn't really have the whole technology of artificial flavors down yet, so it wasn't sweet. It was weird, and I've, in a lot of ways, like longed to um, get that taste again. I remember I did not like it. I remember I did not like it, but I've wanted to taste it again. I realized that they, that they reissued Tab like last year, I think, but I'm not even sure if it was the same same flavor. I imagine they would just use like aspartame, you know, your Splenda or whatever, and it wouldn't have that weird aftertaste, but I, I've been into it for a while, so I decided, you know, I'm gonna get myself a tab can. I like, uh, I like the idea of collectible soda cans. I don't, I don't have any, I have one, actually, I have one of that 90s Pepsi can with, um, if you combine it with another one of the same type, you can say, you can make it spell sex, I don't know, Google that, Pepsi can sex, and, uh, that might give you some weird searches. Don't do that. Um, type in, like, retro 90s Pepsi soda can sex. The word sex. I don't know. Do whatever you want, man. You're an adult. Um, I have one of those, and I've mostly held on to it just in case I, I find another. I figure someday I'll find them both, and I'll put them together, and that'll be cool. But I bought a tab can. I got it in the auction. It also cost me about six bucks. I I like to go for auctions, kind of keep an eye on them, and see if I can swoop in sometimes and get some bargains. And I... I got a bargain on this. Um, I like soda cans in the sense that they are really, really ephemeral. You know, they weren't meant to be collected or kept, so it's not something that you see, that you see all the time. But I don't even think there's that many that I would really want. You know, the the Pepsi sex can, the tab can, maybe like a jolt, like a jolt soda can. I might be into that too, but um, I don't know. I, I might not. If I saw one at the flea market, I would get it. But again, that's been reissued. I understand that it's still available all over the place, so it's not quite the same as a, as a tab. What is your guys' favorite soda? Now that I'm thinking about it, like, what soda, if you do drink soda, what soda do you drink the most? I definitely drink, uh, Diet Pepsi the most. I also like, uh, Cherry Diet Pepsi. If I, if I see that, I'll go for it. Um, I'm a Dr. Pepper. I'm a Dr. Pepper guy. I think that Diet Dr. Pepper is the closest approximation to the real drink that is out there. Diet Dr. Pepper is, is delightful, but for the most part, I just go for just, you know, the straight Diet Pepsi when I need, um, when I need, like, an afternoon, afternoon caffeine, Joel, let me know what you guys are into, I'm just, I'm just curious, any Mountain Dew drinkers out there, anybody into, like, orange or grape, grape sodas are great, if they made, like, a really good diet grape with caffeine, I would be all over that, man, not a grape cola, 
I'm talking like that super duper sweet grape soda with, um, you know, like a little bit of caffeine in there as well. I would be all over that. So if you're, um, if you're in the soda game, if you know people with like soda connections, work on that. So I think I'm going to call it a day, guys. I have been struggling not to cough for the last hour or so. So give it up to me. Next week, we will be back and we'll talk about those vehicles. The G.I. Joe vehicles, the 1982 vehicles. In the future, the future will try to do it all at once. But that may not be possible, man. There are, like, some gigantic lines of G.I. Joe series out there, man. Um, 1982 was a good year for G.I. Joe. They were there. Um, yeah, man, I'm going to get out of here. This is me, Icy Robot, signing off for uh, A.V. Silver. Signing off for good old J5, Iceberg. Engineer Emily, the ensign over in Pod B. This is the TRU episode number 147 from Ace to Zartan, volume 1, 1982. If you don't know, I know. Everybody love everybody! This is 36KICU, San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland. This has been I See Robots Radio production. I See Robots Radio is a listener-supported in day R. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week.